0: Now let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey friends, welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. I'm your host, Kate Warman, and I am thrilled to be here today to bring you another incredible Heart of Dating select episode. Now, I have to admit, dating already is kind of tough out there. It's a murky world and there's not a whole lot of great direction. But now with everything in this global pandemic, things have just gotten a little bit more complex and in ways more complicated. Now, the first thing I want to do with that is just validate what you're feeling about this. You are absolutely justified in being frustrated about dating. I want you to breathe journal, write it down, talk to a close friend, talk to God, if you have to punch a pillow, scream for a second, go boxing, whatever you gotta do, get the frustration out of your body, truly. And then once you've done that, I wanna empower you that you do not have to be a victim to your mindset about dating. I want to instead encourage you to shift your mindset and start questioning your belief system. Here's the deal. Whatever you believe will end up manifesting in your life. So if you believe that dating sucks, then friend, it is probably going to suck. (laughs) So after you do some processing, I want you to ask yourself, what are you going to do to shift this mindset for yourself? you and only you have the power to change that mindset, friend. You really do. Getting a boyfriend or a girlfriend is not going to totally shift your perspective. Getting a spouse is not going to totally shift your perspective. You have to do the work right now. All right, now that we've gotten that out of the way, you guys, today on the podcast for our Heart of Dating Select episode, we're bringing back one of our top listen to episodes with the amazing Ben Stewart. By the way, if you haven't read Ben's book, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married, now is the time. That is one thing I love about quarantine, extra time to read. Ben's book is incredible, and if you want to even take it a step further, I actually recommend also purchasing the book study guide to go along with it. So Ben Stewart is not only an author, but he's also the pastor of Passion City Church, D.C., Prior to joining Passion City Church, Ben served for 11 years as the executive director of Breakaway Ministries, a weekly Bible study attended by thousands of college students at Texas A&M. Him and his wife Donna lived to inspire and equip people to walk with God for a lifetime. And they also have a pretty amazing dating story. So during today's conversation, Ben and I discussed the evaluation process of dating. Kind of perfect timing after last week's Heart of Dating Select episode on our top dating red flags and deal-breakers. So today we go even further on how do you know that you know that this person is gonna be for you or not? How do you make that decision? I really think you're gonna love this conversation. Okay, one more thing you guys, have you taken the plunge yet to jump on our new dating platform, Drop the Hanky Digital Dating? You guys, I hear women say it all the time, there's just no good Christian guys out there, and while I understand that dating is frustrating, I also just don't believe it. There are amazing Christian men out there. God created billions of people, let's not reduce God's creation. Now, if you want some proof of awesome Christian guys, I realize I'm a little biased, but we have some amazing Christian men over on Drop the Hanky Digital Dating we created this platform as a new way to online date basically it's a service that features videos of christian single men from around the world of a bunch of different ages if you want to give it a shot and see what it's all about come and join us for just nine dollars at bit.ly forward slash drop the hanky and also if you're a single dude or if you happen to know a christian single dude we'd love to invite you to nominate them or nominate yourself you can do this by going to bit.ly forward slash single dude. I know it takes a bit of vulnerability to get behind the camera, but isn't it worth it to potentially have a bunch of incredibly wonderful Christian women contact you? <laughs> I just encourage you to do it and see what happens. All right, guys, we are loving this program so much. We hope you will give it a shot and join in at the fun on bit.ly forward slash drop the hanky. Now to my conversation with Ben Stewart. Ben Stewart, welcome to The Heart of Dating.
1: Well, thank you. It's good to be here. This
0: is so excited. I have been looking forward to just talking to you for some time because I really, Ben, I just love your sermons, the way you teach, and just so everyone knows, you're a pastor of Passion City Church out in D.C., right?
1: That is correct. Yeah. that's We've incredible. been going for six months.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Front end. <laughs> that's amazing. And DC it's is crazy. an awesome place. I actually need to get out there and visit more because it's so beautiful. Um, I really love yeah. it every time I've been out there to visit.
1: Well, and a third of the city is between the ages of 20 and 35. Oh. So it is a young single city for oh, wow. sure. Wow,
0: that's exactly the target age of most of our listeners. So-
1: well, come on. The people need you.
0: <laughs> the people. Come on, people <laughs> of DC, you got to listen to Heart of Dating. Uh, no. <laughs> but I also hear, Ben, that you used to live in Texas, right?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And that's awesome because we have so many people actually down in Texas listening, and I myself used to live in Texas, so I love it. I love it down there in Texas.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Me too.
0: Yeah. So, okay, I'm so excited for this conversation today because on top of being an amazing pastor, you also wrote a book and I'm a huge fan of it. The title is Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. And honestly, Ben, it's just such a gift to those of us in those seasons. And so much of the book does have to do with the process of dating from singleness to engagement, which is awesome. So I just want to say thank you so much for writing this incredible book. I am always looking for helpful resources for people that are relevant and will help to guide them so i've definitely passed it along to so many people and anyone listening will definitely have to go and get it if they haven't read it already but just thank you for this resource it's awesome
1: oh well thanks well it it, um it really was a labor of love for me you know um I mean, I was just personal. My story, I I was single probably later than all of my friends, maybe. So um, the fact that I wrote a book on dating, I think makes some of them, they think that's hilarious because I probably did everything wrong you could before I did it right. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, in Texas, I was a minister on the campus of Texas A&M for -hmm. a decade Yeah. And just watched young people struggle. And so a lot of this book for me was just, man, really wanting to help people through a challenging process. So I love that you've got a podcast about it and are trying to help folks because it's challenging.
0: It is challenging. So I I mean, I was just going to ask you what inspired you to write it so that and you are married now and have been married happily for how long?
1: Fourteen years! Oh
0: my gosh, amazing! Yeah. So now you're like the veteran. You know what's up. Getting old now, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I remember our first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me to go on tour and teach the Song of Solomon. Oh I was my like, god! I don't think a year in, I should be like giving marriage advice <laughs> to the world. Oh my um, gosh. But fourteen years in, I'm like, all right, you know, I think we've learned some stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean even in the first year i feel like it's kind of like you're on fire like for better or for worse you're either like super passionate or there's like a lot of things that you you're awakened to and you're like oh my gosh I'm, it's like a big yeah. learning curve i i hear i don't know but yeah that is I all, hear. True. all yeah of it is true. um and i love that you said like you also have a lots of dating experience even before you got married you were married or you were single later than most of your friends. So that's incredible. And in fact, it's awesome that you have written this book because I find sometimes pastors are like, oh gosh, well, I'm married. I'm not even relevant anymore. So thank you for just stepping out and doing that because I know like what you have to say is so helpful to us. Um, And so, okay, something that you do talk about in the book is you kind of say that, you know, there isn't a dating situation that's exactly the same, which I happen to agree. Neither the person or the process is not the same. So But one thing that we can say and and take away from this whole process of dating is that it's kind of like an evaluation. Uh, And something that you wrote specifically in the book that I'm just going to read is you say that dating is not a status to dwell in, but a process to move through. It's a series of actions meant to lead up to a particular end, discerning whether or not we are meant to marry a particular person. Dating exists for evaluation. And... That's so good, because I think often we have a skewed view of what dating is, and we kind of think maybe it's to fill a void in our life, or it's whatever it is. People have so many interesting definitions of it, but something I love, especially in that definition that you have, is that it's kind of a way of evaluating, right? So what, it, what made you come up with that statement, and how do you, I guess, maybe walk us through the process of what you think we should be evaluating?
1: Yeah, well, I think for me, I had a boss that used to say, everyone can tell you what they do, but not many people can tell you why they do what they do. Oh, yeah. But there's a wonderful comfort and a sense of purpose in your life if you know why you're doing something.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, that's
1: what everybody struggles with. Why am I at this job? But if you have a compelling why, you're like, I love this job. Even if it's hard, it's a good hard. And Mm -hmm. in stages of life, if you're like, why am I in this stage? a good why will propel a lot of good what's. And so for me, it started when I was single, like, what is singleness about? And for me, when, when I was coming up, it was a lot of, you know, it's for preparation for marriage. Mm -hmm. And it just dawned on me, there's no guarantee I'll get married. People die every day. And Jesus didn't get married. So that's not sufficient. So it started with me there of Mm -hmm. going, Hey, this singleness has a very direct purpose Mm -hmm. in the Bible. And then when I got to dating, I'm like, then what are we doing here? And you know, like you said, the Bible doesn't talk about dating. That wasn't um something that was going on back then. You know, it right. wasn't like then Moses took Zipporah to Chili's and it's just <laughs> yeah. not there.
0: Chili's, you yes. Know, parents
1: Applebee's. were more involved. But mm-hmm. you know, the book of Proverbs was written to young single people, and there's tons of stuff in there about how to evaluate what a good wife should be or how to evaluate what a good yeah. husband should be. And I'm like, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to care for somebody. It's interesting. Even the most recent studies of single people in America, well over 90% say they want to be married. Mm-hmm. Like we want another person to yeah. say, I love you and I'm not going anywhere. You know, we long for that. So you go, well, dating's, A process of evaluating, is this the right person to do that with? So biblically, evaluation's all over it. And then just observing life. um, You go, man, we're all looking for that person to journey through life with. Dating is trying to figure out if that's that person. But Mm -hmm. I think clarifying it helps people. Dating gets so muddy. So my goal was to bring some clarity into it.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And it's interesting you say that even like 90% of people now recently uh, say they want to be in a relationship or want to get married or they have that desire in them. Because what I find is so interesting in... Our lives is we we're now kind of focused on career and just building career, career, career. And then we leave relationships to the wayside, like, oh, we'll just, you know, eventually that will happen. But if 90% of us, right, want some sort of relationship one day, if that's an innate desire in our hearts, and it, yeah. it you know, then I'd really think, and my whole thing is that we should be more active in figuring that out and pursuing that in our lives. And not to say there isn't times where we should be single for healing or really looking for very specific g- growth that God has called us to. But I do think that we should be actively pursuing something that is a hugely innate desire for most people. I mean, I would think if you ask people, I don't know, if you ask people, would you rather just have a career for your, the rest of your life or would you be rather be happily married with you know, with an incredible partner for the rest of your life? Would they just want the career? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And it's a lot of confusing messages that start early Mm -hmm. for people of, I have to have success in a career. And you go, okay, well, what is success? Mm -hmm. And I would talk to college students about that. And they were like, I don't know. And you're like, okay, well, let's, let's think about what you really want in life. And just that being aware and being a student of yourself, I think is really helpful saying, don't, don't, Hurt, rush to buy a cultural script you haven't evaluated because it might be wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think you're right. The the desire to pair off is natural for people. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it's fear that says, well, if I pair off with someone, they'll diminish my life. They will upset my career goals, derail my plans. And you go, well, a, a bad person would, yes, but let's not do that just yet. Um, let's think about Uh, there are ways to pair off that will enhance your life, not diminish it. So don't let fear keep you from taking some steps of faith into a relationship because ultimately there's deep joy found in community with somebody.
0: Mm, Couldn't agree more. And something in that too that I always say too is like, oh, no, I'm just going to – people are like, oh, I'm going to just focus on this. And I sometimes challenge people just personally like, well, do you think that God can only work through one thing at – a time. Like do you think that right. he can only build your career right now? Is that all he can do? Or right. can can he is he the God that can work through more than one thing at once, right? And then I say that and people Ooh. are like, Oh yeah, well Okay, you know, because they're like, well, because there's always going to be something, almost always something that we're doing, going through, like you moving or changing jobs. There's always going to be something that happens or something traumatic happens. Um, It's just kind of the way our life is. Right. So if you're just like, well, I'm just going to wait until this point in my life or I'm just going to wait till then, it's you're waiting for a point in time a perfect moment that may not ever really come because we're never yep. going to be fully arrived at some sort of perfect perfection moment and if you are there yeah. it's going to be probably short-lived
1: <laughs> yeah you know well and that's for me the whole um i mean i think evaluating what you're good at mm-hmm. and saying how do i do that for the sake of the community is yeah. a good thing to be asking yourself yeah. but i think sometimes when they look at career it's well, what is success? It's hard for some people to define it. Mm. And they say, well, success is a certain role in an organization. You're like, is that really what you want to be true of your life when you die? Or it's a certain dollar amount. But those are not sufficient goals to Mm. satisfy the human heart. I mean, at the depth of everybody, they want belonging and mattering. I want to Belong to a community bigger than myself, and I want to belong to a purpose bigger than myself. Everybody wants that, and so part of me writing this was that of saying you've got to have a compelling vision for your life. And so, for me, right out of college when I got a job, I was like, I became a youth pastor, and I was like, I don't know that my dream was to be a youth pastor. I mean, I don't know that I was like stamped that on my (laughs) tombstone. You know, I was like, I like kids, but I, I don't know what I want to be, and I realized. Uh, I had a friend tell me, he was like, Ben, I exist to know God. Mm. And my ministry, because he was a pastor, he said, flows out of that walk with God. Mm. He said, you need to figure out what you're about. And when you figure out what you're about, you may switch jobs, but you never lose your purpose. Mm. And that to me was a steadying thing. I exist to know God and make him known. And I figure out how I best do that. But then when I meet somebody... It's somebody that's running after that same cause right. with me of of knowing God, of making God known. And so it's not about I work for this company or that company. It's about what's the grand arc of my life and is this a person that's running the same direction? Well, then let's run together. And yeah. you might do it as an accountant and I might as a lawyer, but we have the same ultimate goal mm-hmm. in life. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, it totally does.
1: most marriages... When they divorce, they say our lives went different directions. Mm -hmm. You go, what do you mean by that? You don't mean, he was a banker and I was in sales and so we never hung out. You're like, no, you meant the big values of our life were different. So I would say lift up your gaze from just career and say, what's the big cause I live for? And I think only God's big enough to fill the human heart. So that's what I'm all about.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think it's good to challenge both ourselves what, and figuring out what our mission and vision is for our life. And then you really, a good test, at least a litmus test at the beginning when you're evaluating is, does this person have mission and vision in their life? Are they pursuing God's call in their life? Like do, of course, one, do they love Jesus? <laughs> um, but yes. are they actively doing that? Because loving Jesus or just going to church on Sunday doesn't mean you have a big vision for your life. Um we could also, you know, just be a consumer. <laughs> um, so, what are they actually doing to go out there, like Paul, who was in jail and, you know, writing letters and building the church, even though he was in jail? Um, like, what are you doing? What are they doing with their mission and vision in their life? And I think that's totally. a huge thing to look for in the beginning.
1: Well, it, it's a it's a huge part of the evaluating process, mm-hmm. you know, because C.S. Lewis said it: those who have no direction will not have fellow travelers. He was like, You got to pick a path, and then you'll find people going on that path with you. And like you mentioned, Paul, he had some amazing friendships, some deep friendships. And you go, How? Because they were all chasing a cause together. A community that's on a cause is a very exciting place to be. And that's why I tell people get involved in a vibrant church. Like it's normal at our house for our living room to be packed with married, singles, all hanging out together, all enjoying each other. But we're all changing the world together is how we feel You go. that's an energizing room to be in. And you're like, and that's a great matrix in which to meet somebody, but you're right. I mean, if you're just saying, I'm just, I met this random guy at a random place I didn't really like, you can marry somebody in that environment, but the percentage shot of y'all chasing the same thing goes way down. Mm. So I would say get in communities that are chasing a cause and then you'll find a fellow traveler. Some of them will be your best friends, mentors, and then someone be cute and off you go. But
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. I couldn't agree more. Getting into community and, have, and like just seeing—I think that's a good test too. Like you kind of in evaluating when you're partnering with someone. Like so let's say it is someone from a different church that you've met or someone who you don't know a ton about. Um, I always say, well, who are they friends with? What does their community look like? What what who are those people? What are they doing with those people? I think that's a really good test and wanting to meet those people. I always I, like, that's important, right? You want to see who they're surrounding themselves by.
1: <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Well, at Song of Solomon, you know, in the, the book of love in the old Testament, they say that early on about Solomon, rightly do the maidens love you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you go, what was happening there? Well, love can get you like infatuation can get your head all spun around and you can't see clearly. You need a community to come around you and say yeah. that's the right person to put your affections on that's an appropriate person for you to love and i think that's where community helps us of getting around people like it helped me to evaluate donna yeah around my friends or around people i knew and to see how does she treat the people she's not going to date or how does she treat mm-hmm. like the old people the young people or my family or how does she treat these people? Cause it's going to be how she treats people. And if I like the way she treats people, then I'll like hanging out for the next 20 years or 30 or 40 <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But um, so when you watch somebody interact with people that aren't giving them anything back, you go, that's how they'll treat me when I'm at my lowest or when I'm not offering much to them. And if they're wow. generous and kind to the poor and the old and children, they'll be generous and kind to me when I'm sick and or broken, or need help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's good evaluation. That's where I think community helps us. And in the Bible, the community was typically your parents. And in our modern culture, I think the church can can really take that place, some wise friends around you.
0: I love that because you're saying, you know, one thing is to be, to look for someone who's others focused, you know, who's like really servant hearted. I think in general, something I found Ben at least is that I think the more and more we become single later and later in life, the harder it is for us to enter in a relationship and be other focused because as singles, we're kind of focused on ourselves. You know, I have my (laughs) own routine, my own rhythm, you know, I'm good. Like I have friends, but I can go home at night and don't really have to have serious conversations with them if I don't want to. So, um, so we're really good at being single. Um, and we're really in er, like just taking care of ourselves, which often means that we're not always seeking after being servant hearted. Like, um, oh. and I think that's such like sacrificial love that doesn't go away. <laughs> like that's something that is like a lifeline in marriage. Um, and something I think that I've especially seen is troublesome within the dating culture right now is just a lack of really understanding that, the sacrificial love is so important. And so I think in singleness, we have to find ways to express that, whether it's going out and above and beyond, like being out in the community or being sacrificial for our friends, like kind of testing that. I just don't know. And I don't think enough people are doing that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny, this kind of random, but I read Aziz Ansari's book on romance, you know, mm-hmm. and he's a comedian. It's not maybe an expert on dating, yeah, uh, but it, it's actually a pretty well researched book. But he had this uh, focus group he did, and he said everyone at this focus group was talking about how discouraged and cynical and sad they are on the dating scene. Mm. But then he spends the chapter focusing on there was one guy who was completely different from everyone else. And he said, it was crazy. All these people were sad and depressed. And he was like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. And they were like, well, tell us about your last two dates. And he told them about them. And Aziz is writing about this guy and saying he was so upbeat and positive. He was like the sun in, in the sky, just shining out different. And the two dates he went on was someone he met at church and someone he met involved out in the city. Mm. And what's crazy is Aziz leaves that there, like doesn't even focus on this guy was a follower of Jesus. That's what made it different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like this was a guy that was out there, not just trying to figure out, am I dating you? He's out there serving people. He's out there loving people. He's out there involved. And in that matrix, he's met some other healthy people Mm -hmm. that are doing the same thing. I mean, most friendships begin with something common. Of, oh, you like that too. You know, we don't unify around unity, we unify around common interests. And so, Hmm. if you pursue a common interest, you'll find other people that love it too. And those might be people that you journey with for a lifetime.
0: Mm, That's good. And
1: I figured out with Donna and I, I was really into running when we met. I'm not anymore, (laughs) but (laughs) she hated running. And I realized, does that matter? Like, not really. We don't have to work out together. I don't care. So there's all these common interests that I'm like, those don't really matter. But the big things in life of we want to make a difference, we want to run hard, we want to get involved in people's lives and help people know God. I was like, she is running as fast as I am. She won't slow me down. I'll have to keep up with her. All right, let's run together. I love that.
0: And so we're talking so much about evaluating like different character qualities, you know, and and also something I love that you talk about in the book um, that you wrote is evaluating character and also chemistry so what are yeah. like kinds of because chemistry i think you know obviously people are like oh it's a spark it's like those things we see in the rom-com movies and the notebook right. and all those things right <laughs> but um i i don't really think it's just that i feel like there's probably a lot more to it so what do you think yeah. that really means and can you just like kind of share that with because what i hear a lot of people saying just to back up is that they're like oh if i'd meet someone there's not that initial like spark I'm just, I'm done. I'm not going to date them. I'm not going to consider them. And I I just think that they might be missing out.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, the big, you've got to have both character and chemistry. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to so many people that they had chemistry with someone. Oh, they make me laugh. We get along. We can talk for hours. And then they get married and they go, that person isn't interested in God isn't interested in serving him, isn't. And what happens is you get lonelier and lonelier, but now you're lonely and married mm. because you're laying in bed next to someone who cannot talk with you about the deepest things in your life. That's not a good thing. So I tell people, get in environments where you go, they're chasing the same cause and they have a character that's being shaped by God. Like they, they're they not perfect, but they're perfectible. They want to know God. They're seeking God and you're not having to make them. Mm -hmm. You're not having to kick them, go, can we please go to church? Like You you don't want to drag somebody for the rest of your life. So you got to see, are they pursuing a healthy life spiritually, emotionally? And once you get in a crowd like that, Mm -hmm. then you go, okay. I tell a lot of people that are living that kind of life already. They come to me and go, man, I like this person. I can't tell. I was like... Well, yeah, you've eliminated all the bad dates out of your life. I mean, like, you're not going to date someone. You're like, she turned out to be a total psycho and lit my car on fire. I'm like, you've already eliminated those people. You have an amazing pool. And now, yeah, you're just seeing, and this is the part that's more art than science. Do we like hanging out with each other? Yeah. And sometimes that's, oh, I'm really physically drawn to you right away. But then after a couple months, I go, man, we run out of things to talk about. And about two hours into hanging out with you, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> or and sometimes that takes time. Yeah. But you go, hey, it's been three months, and I realized I feel like I'm supposed to call you, but I don't really want to. Mm. And when you read Song of Solomon, you know, the book of romance, again, what leaps from the page is, I mean, right at the beginning, she's like, let me kiss let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She's just like, I want to kiss him so bad. And you see him, it says he's bounding over the hills, climbing the lattice. Like he's just, no barrier can keep him from her. Mm. And so the Bible's presenting you as an evaluation method, excitement. Yeah, You have to look in your heart and go, do I want to be around this person? Do I enjoy being around them? And yeah, some people get there right away. I mean, I've talked to dudes that are like, I proposed to my wife the first day we met. I'm like, that is bananas, but okay. <laughs>
0: wow. They're like, so, I was looking for it and I found it and I just secured it on the spot.
1: <laughs> yeah. I talked to a girl recently and she's told me that. She's like, I walked up to my husband. and was like, I'm going to marry you. And I was like, and that worked? She's like, yeah, we've been married for years. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay." Oh my
0: God. It does (laughs) not. I think that's funny too because it's kind of like the Christian cliches that like, oh my gosh, if you don't do that, you're not going to marry. And I, Uh, (laughs) you know, it's funny. Not everyone needs to do that. You guys, it's okay. (laughs) Oh,
1: well, so for me, you know, I'm an introvert. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am slow to make friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, and some of that's probably background too, like family of origin stuff. Like I'm slow to trust too, and that kind of stuff. And so it takes me longer, but the friendships I build are really deep. So I knew when I dated somebody, if you ask me after the first date, how'd it go? I'm either going to say probably never going to date him again, or I don't know. and I don't know it's probably the best I can get to on date one yeah all you got to figure out on date one is should there be a date two you know and so I I knew about myself it takes me longer Mm -hmm. so with Donna and I you know she sort of knew before me that she wanted to marry me it took me longer which always sounds unromantic like it's a shot at her it was just (laughs) like um I wasn't as in touch with my emotions. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. the longer I evaluated, actually we took a summer off. Yes. I just, was going
0: to oh. ask about that. I remember reading that, That which is so cool.
1: And that was not, I don't tell everyone to do that. I just knew for me, it's too much input and not enough processing mm-hmm. and I just can't process the information. And it felt big and scary. So I was like, I need some time and distance and time are helpful evaluators. Yeah. Because you realize if I don't really miss you, if I'm kind of doing fine without you, then Mm -hmm. we probably shouldn't hook up for forever. Right. But about a month of being gone I looked up and I was like, I miss her. And not just like, I miss having a person to talk to or I miss a woman caring about me. It was like, no, I miss her. I miss Donna. She communicates with me I like. And I like hearing her thoughts. And I, does that make us a perfect sync up in every area? No, that's not how humanity works. But knowing the best about her that I know and knowing the worst about her I know, life with her is better than life without her. Mm-hmm. And I evaluated it. It sounds unromantic, but I had to evaluate it that way. And I'm like, okay, let me let me evaluate. Life with Donna, life without Donna, I'd rather go with her for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And once that once I figured that out, I didn't mess around. Mm-hmm. Uh, asking her to marry me, but I waited long enough to evaluate.
0: Hey friend, popping in here for a quick break in the episode today. I got a question for you. Do you want some extra community and support during this time? Well, if you do, I wanna encourage you to take your relationship with us to the next level and join what we're doing in our Heart of Dating community. You can join the party over on Instagram at at heartofdating, where we post helpful and encouraging content almost every single day. And we also love hearing from you in our private DMs and we interact with just about every single DM that we get. Now, another way you can connect with us is to go to Facebook by visiting facebook.com forward slash heart of dating. You can like our Facebook page, check out what we're doing over there, and then you can even request to join our private heart of dating Facebook community. You can do that by going to the left hand side of the heart of dating Facebook page, clicking groups and selecting the private group and filling out a few questions to join. Now, there's one more thing that I want to share with you that's an incredibly helpful resource during this time. Right now, more than ever, we've been inundated with extreme changes, and it might be causing levels of confusion, grief, and even fear and anxiety within your life. I got to speak for myself personally, and I know that I've been struggling with an abnormal amount of fear and anxiety in this season. So something that's really helped me at the moment has been being able to actually talk to someone who can truly help me sort through all the things I'm thinking and feeling. So for me, that looks like going to therapy. And specifically in this moment, I love going to Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a faith-based online therapy network that incorporates Christian principles, prayer, and spiritual practices. To find the therapist that's right for you and your needs, you just have to fill out a quick form and you'll get connected with a therapist in under 24 hours. You can log in to your Faithful Counseling account at any time, you can send a message to your counselor, and you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions and do it all virtually from the comfort of your home. Another thing that I love about Faithful Counseling is that financial aid is available. And not only that, it's pretty affordable already. So, guys, if you've been looking to try out therapy, and especially right now, if you just are finding yourself really confused and needing to process some things, then I encourage you to consider trying out faithful counseling. And for Heart of Dating listeners, you get 10% off your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. That's getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. All right, guys, back to the episode. Okay. So something you're bringing up that I think is so important is just discerning. And so when you have gotten to a place where you're, you've been dating for some time and you're like, okay, we are in the commitment phase, which I kind of say in other podcasts, I've said, there's like three phases of dating. You're in the commitment phase. You're like moving towards marriage and you're figuring out, is this a person I really want to spend my life with? Something I think that's so key is, um, It doesn't mean, and I think that some people think if there's hardship or fighting, that means that, oh my gosh, nope, got to go away, like run away. And I think that when, as soon as the hardship comes, which it's bound to come, we come sometimes run the other direction. So how can you, you know, help maybe impart some wisdom on what we can do to navigate and evaluate through those phases, especially when maybe some hardship arises, like some hard conversations, you learn some harder things about that person's past, or maybe you are kind of rubbing the wrong way towards each other and fighting a little bit more. Like what, how do we manage that stage in the commitment phase?
1: That's a great question. And I'll give you two things. One's Mm -hmm. internal and one's external. Uh, Internally when I'm dating somebody and we hit a point of friction of like, Hey, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way that went. I didn't like the way you talked to me there. I don't like this about the way you handled that situation. Internally, I've watched many people in that moment. They go, I knew this relationship was a mistake. I knew it was doomed to failure. How do I get out of here? Mm. And then they start rationalizing, Oh man, we've already spent so much time together, and her mom likes me. And you're like, Those are all bad reasons. But if you're feeling inside yourself, I'm not committed to this person, you need to pay attention to that. Mm. Because Song of Solomon says, Love is stronger than death, jealousy is strong as the grave. You go, how do you know you really love somebody? When death grabs someone, it doesn't give them back. Mm. And it says love is stronger than death. How do you know you love someone? There's commitment there. And so what I found with Donna that was different than other dating relationships is when we hit friction, I was like, I want to resolve this friction. Mm. I want to get past it and back to unity with you. Whereas in the past, it was more, I want to get out of here. So (laughs) I discovered something happening inside of me that was different. I want to work through this. I want to work through it with you Mm. so we can be closer. So that's the internal piece. Do I discern within myself a commitment to stay when it's hard? Externally, I think what you have to see is can we communicate in a healthy way when we disagree? You know, Proverbs 12 talks about the person with rash words is like a thrust of a sword but Mm -hmm. the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I've met people that they're dating somebody and they say, we date, but when we disagree, they explode and they yell and they say hurtful things. And you go, hey, you may really be committed to that person, but this is not a healthy way to relate to one another. So your external communication is very unhealthy. And before y'all figure that out, maybe that person needs to go to counseling. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: They need to figure that out before y'all stack marriage onto the bar. Because this is not a healthy way of, of dealing with each other. You want someone whose words build you up, not tear you down. And so all through the book of Proverbs, you're warned about a quarrelsome wife. It's better to live on a roof than in a house with a quarrelsome wife. Mm. Or a man who's given to anger is like a city without walls. I mean, you will have no protection. He will be a very unsafe person to be around. So They might be great when they're in a good mood, but if their words are rash and hurtful and y'all yell and scream, you go, that is not healthy. So two evaluation pieces I'd give you are that internally, do I sense commitment to stay when it's hard? Externally, can we communicate in a way that's constructive, not destructive? You want to see those two things.
0: I think the communication piece is so huge. And sometimes we kind of, we need to figure out how we can best communicate with someone that's different from ourselves. because we communicate one way. We like to receive communication one way. Another person might receive communication totally different. And that's why I do encourage people, you should be actively dating because you get to practice communicating, (laughs) (laughs) like practice having hard conversations, practice talking with someone who's different from yourself. Because oftentimes with our friends, sometimes we just have the same exact communication with all of our, the people around us. And that's not always going to be the same with people you date. Um, And so it's a really good time to practice those tools. But Uh, yeah. If the communication is really unhealthy, something you brought up is just, you know, counseling and therapy and kind of seeking to, you know, maybe that person who has really explosive communication might need to go into those areas, which is totally fine. And so something I want to bring up through that is that, um, some of that, usually where it comes from is brokenness from our past. and yes. um, my friend Mike Foster calls this like diving into your you know family of origin and and figuring out how you can take radical ownership of specific things. Where did you come from like what wounds might be might you be hiding from your past? and oftentimes if we have explosive communication or if we react very reactionary in certain ways, it's usually be because of something that happened to us before in our life, or we yep. developed a pattern from our origin story. So that's something too, I think that's very sensitive for people when they're going through this phase of dating, it's trying to figure out like, when and how do we divulge some of that information with someone? And why do you think that that is so important? Because I know some people who would just say, oh, they don't need to know that about me. That's fine. <laughs> You know, so what are your, what's your thoughts on, on like family of origin or things that have happened in our past and divulging?
1: Yeah, man, there's a couple things I would say. The first is you don't want to get in a dating situation where you are the parent or savior of the person you want to marry. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is it's not a marriage of equals. One of them plays the victim role. One of them plays the savior role. And you will limp through life because you're always trying to drag or carry somebody. You want to marry an equal, two healthy people running together into life, you know? Um, so you want to marry where you can do ministry. You don't want to marry ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. In-
0: and which so, way, a lot of us it, recently have been reading a book on codependency and it's really easy to fall into that role of like, Oh, that's okay. I'll help them. I'll help them it, through everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can fix this. Well, in movies, will champion that. They will True. present to men often that woman is his savior or women, you can save him. And you're like, Oh gosh, you do not want to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: because then y'all that person, it will be hard to feel like equals. That doesn't doom you if you already married that, but you don't want to get married that way. Mm-hmm. So for Donna and I, it was like, we want to run together, grip hands and run at the same pace equals. I mean, that's what Peter called you. She is a co-heir of the grace of life. Y'all are, y'all are equals, both standing at full height, king and queen, right? I mean, you are the same power kind of dynamic is what you want. So when Donna and I were dating, she's not my wife. She's a sister in Christ, but There was a moment in our dating where our dating was surfacing some issues for her. And I was like, I can't solve these for you. And Mm -hmm. so she went and got wise counsel and processed that. And then I had to do the same. Then a little while later, we realized so many of Ben's issues stem from being from a divorced home and fear that has nothing to do with Donna. has everything to do with a fear of rejection I came up with. But, you know, Paul told Timothy – uh, watch your life and your doctrine closely persevere in this because you'll save both yourself and your hearers. And that's one of my favorite verses. Cause he's telling them, watch your doctrine, like know what you believe about God. But then he says, Timothy, watch you be a student of yourself mm. because if you're a good student of yourself, it'll save you, Timothy and everyone who looks to you for leadership. So for me, I think it's helpful to evaluate myself and go, wow. I really reacted out of fear there. And that didn't so much have to do with you, Donna. That had to do with some other things in my heart that I need to to address. Mm. Dating tends to surface those things. Yeah. But you need to be able to go to your respective corners of your wise counsel. And that's where I had the benefit of, I had built a network of older people, pastors, married couples who love me and could say, yeah, Ben, that's an issue we've seen in you that that's about you. It's not about her. And yeah. You need those people. Uh, on the confession piece, so I'm going on and on, but I'll just no. say this real oh, fast. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say the principle Jesus gave us of faithful with little, faithful with much. Mm-hmm. That's how Jesus raised up leaders. I trust you with little things. And if you handle it well, I can trust you with bigger things. And I would say when you're confessing someone, when you first get to meet people, you're talking about the weather, talking about blah, blah blah pretty shallow stuff. <laughs> but at some point you're going to share something that's meaningful to you. And if they don't value it, They don't care. If if they're not kind in the way you bring that up, then you go, I'm not going to share more with this person. But Mm -hmm. I think the beauty of dating and marriage is what do you want? You want to be fully known. Yeah, That's what we all want. It's scary. That's what scares us. But you don't want the rest of your life to be redacting what you're about to say because you don't want them to find out You want to slowly, incrementally trust someone with more of your life so that by the time you're ready to get married, you say, I have opened up even the worst parts of me Mm. and you still love me and you've still stayed. You know me at my worst. And even at that moment, you're willing to say for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, I'm not going anywhere. Then I trust you and you trust me. And that bond of full vulnerability and full trust is so powerful. Mm. It strains the limits of language to express how powerful that kind of vulnerability and trust is. And that's what you want. That's what I have with Donna. She, she knows all of me. Yeah. And she, she will not ever hurt me on purpose. Mm. And I feel so safe and so strong because of that. And I was scared to death in dating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, eh. but, as I,
1: but as I saw she had character and mm. we worked out how to communicate, I could trust her with more and more confession. Mm. And we confessed, um, you know, when we got more serious, we told each other everything in our yeah. past. And and I think what helped us both is to see the other person weep and say, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm mm-hmm. sad to hear that. But It doesn't change a bit, the fact that I love you. In fact, I love you more. And when someone sees you at your worst and says, I love you, that is such a healing thing. Yeah. Um, You want that. I would not settle for less than that.
0: Mm. It's something you're bringing up is just it's so – it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable, like so much courage to like yes. get out in the ring. Like Brené Brown says this, get out in the ring and be vulnerable. That takes a lot of courage. So I think that we have a responsibility to obviously – you know, challenge ourselves to be vulnerable. And like you're saying, faithful with little, faithful with much. Make sure that the person, if you are sharing something, that they handle it well before you just share everything with them. And I think yep. that does come over time. But so the, having the courage for yourself to be vulnerable with that person when it's safe. And then also on the receiving end, on the opposite side, to check yourself and how you're dealing with the vulnerable things they might be sharing with you because that response of the other person is critical because if you know I've shared things in the past with people about about my past in dating and when they just like look at it like what you know and they're like totally in shock and like Not in a way that they're righteously angry about what's happened in my past, but where they're like, really, you did that? Or, you know, it can kind of send you into further shame. It it triggers all your fears, all the reasons why you didn't want to share. So I think that's also really critical. Like, if you know that person's being really vulnerable, even if you're shocked by the information, you know, trying to come with a posture of just love and grace. And if you need to process what they're saying to you, like, also do it out Like, separately, maybe, too. Yes. (laughs) Um, You're like, wait, whoa, I've never heard of anyone being any, like, that's so far from my paradigm of understanding what that's like. Okay. And it's shocking to you. Like, definitely deal with that as well. But I think we just have a responsibility, too, to handle it with so much care when someone is vulnerable towards us.
1: Totally. Well, and some of that will come down. I remember f- even for Donna and I, like I said, we were a bit you know, a bit older when we started dating, got married, but um, mm-hmm. there were aspects I had never gotten that close to the heart of a woman before. Not really. And so the deeper we got in a relationship, I, I'm like, she's telling me this and I don't know what that means, or I don't know how to understand that. And some of it really came down to we communicate very differently. And, you know, we laugh early in dating. You know, one time we were driving in the car and Mm -hmm. she just was like, what are you thinking? And I said, blue car. She's like, what? I was like, a blue car just drove by. I mean, that's what I was thinking, blue car. And she just burst out laughing because she was like, I was thinking where's our relationship going? And what's in five years? And can I trust you? And she was saying all this stuff that I was like, I'm not thinking any of that. I literally thought oh that's gosh. a blue car. And we were just laughing about like, I can't assume what's happening in your mind. Uh, I really can't. <laughs> yes. And so we have to talk. And as we talk, uh, we, I mean, it, there were conversations that take us two minutes now that would take us four hours in dating. Mm. So when you say you don't know, you really mean you don't know. Yes, that's (laughs) what I mean. You know, like that's sort of like, oh, gosh, we just didn't know this about each other, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's
0: true. Actually, I've come across that a lot. And it's not to stereotype men and women, but sometimes men have more nothing boxes than women do. Like we're kind of in general thinking a lot of the time. And so I've had guys where I've had to learn and understand this where I'm like, well, what are you thinking right now? And they're like, not nothing. I'm like, wait, yeah. how can you not be thinking anything? I don't understand. Like, I'm thinking about like what you're thinking about me. I'm in, I'm getting insecure because you're not saying anything. And they're like, no, I'm just kind of thinking about nothing.
1: Yeah. Well, and Donna and I went around with that of um, you, you're learning yourself in the situation too. Anytime yes. you put yourself in a new context, you learn about yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for Donna and I, I didn't even know, I assumed when you get married that men do the manly stuff, like build furniture. You know, I just thought that's what men do. And so, (laughs) whenever we like bought a desk, I'm like, well, I better put this together. And she would always kind of walk around me while I was trying to put it together and then like pick up the directions and then start like fiddling around with some of the stuff and then take things out of my hands. And to me, all that was communicating, you think I'm an incompetent man like this is a shot at my masculinity. I'd get really frustrated. <laughs> but then I stopped. And this was the thing we would say is the person will never be the problem. The problem will be the problem. Mm. So we're never going to sit across the table and argue. We're going to sit shoulder to shoulder and say, here's the problem. And so the, I was like, the problem is I'm angry. Why are you angry? And I'm like, because I feel like you're saying I'm not a man. She's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, mm. when you do this, that's what that says to me. And What I realized over time was Donna just likes building stuff. Mm. She loves it. I mean, to the point where like uh, she builds picnic tables from scratch. Oh, wow. So I was like, if you would have just picked the stereotype of, well, men build stuff and women don't, you're like, we would have missed each other. I don't need to know what all women like. I need to know what Donna likes. So I'm a student of myself. I'm a student of her. And I realized part of loving her is letting her build stuff, which I am a hundred percent fine with, you know, so you build all the furniture, I'll read a book.
0: And you're kind of realizing so much about yourself when, with the way you react to things, you could start And the important part of that is questioning, why is this bothering me so much? What is that? Where does that come from? A lot of times we don't. We're just like, well, this is just the way it is. This is just, this is how I always am. And I think that that can sometimes be a crutch that we use. Well, why is it? You know, because sometimes it's coming from a place of unhealthiness. And sometimes it's coming from a place of fear or brokenness or something inside of us that it, or ego, you know, whatever it might be, but yeah. it's always good to be like, oh, well, but why is that bothering me so much that that person's doing that anyway? <laughs> Where yeah, is that it, coming from?
1: And then shame can set in. Mm-hmm. Of I don't know if I can do a relationship right, or I've made a mistake. Oh, yeah. And for us, what we realized was that student mentality helped us. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're learning this. When else were we going to learn this? So, good. so let me evaluate. I'm angry right now. Why am I? Let's, let's evaluate that. And we would try to say, when you did this thing, this is how it made me feel. We never ascribed motive to the other person. You're trying to make me look stupid. You're trying to tell me I'm not a man. I'm, like, I'm not going to tell her what she was trying to do. Mm. That's assuming I know her motive and I don't
0: right so that's early
1: okay. on we would say when you do this it makes me feel like this
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: gave the other person the freedom to say i don't want to make you feel that way that's not that was not my goal when i did this when i did right. this i was trying to communicate that and you're like oh we just misunderstood each other but that's that level of communicating that we figured out in dating that made marriage really easy for mm-hmm. us that first year and what helped each other was to see we don't just explode in anger or get defensive or freeze each other out or try to punish you by withdrawing. We were trying to work through problems, and the more we worked through them, the more we could trust each other. And you know, getting back to the confession conversation, you know, I think about the proverb: "Like a gold yeah. ring and a pig snout is a woman who shows no discretion." Um, you don't want to give the precious things in your heart, those tender parts of your story to someone who's not discreet, mm. someone who's not careful. You know, the book of Song of Solomon presents it like a man trying to hold a dove. Uh, mm. When a woman starts sharing her heart with you, that's a tender, precious thing. And you have to handle it delicately with discretion. And when you start dating a guy, as you get serious, he may open up some very painful things about his past. And what mm. you say next will determine whether you You bond together very closely, or you wound him and he recoils. Yeah. So you want to watch a person. Are they full of grace and truth? Are they, do they have a godly character? Mm -hmm. And if they do, then I can trust them with my heart.
0: Mm. So, so, so good, Ben um, gosh, this has been so rich, this entire conversation. Yeah.
1: I feel like we've been all over the place. I know. Been good, it's right? been amazing.
0: Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is like sure. epic conversation. Everyone needs to hear this. So at the end of every episode, I wish we could like just have a part two. It's like everyone. Um, but at the end of every conversation I ask basically every guest the same question, um, just kind of like a summation. So I ask, um, what is like your final nugget of dating advice? I mean, we dropped so many today. You were help so so helpful but what would be your, like your final nugget just to pass on to people
1: man that's great um i would say when jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment he said to love god with all your heart soul and mind mm. and then to love your neighbor as yourself and to me i would say make Put the first thing first. Make the decision now. I don't know if I'm going to get married or not, but I'm going to get good at loving God. Mm. Because the more I know him, the more I'll be like him. And that's what the world needs. And you're going to find your deepest satisfaction in him. You know, um, the woman at the well that Jesus met with went through five husbands and then was living with a guy. And Jesus didn't shame her, but he said, if you knew who you were talking to, I would give you water that would satisfy you and give you eternal life. What was he saying to her? Hey, get a relationship with God, right? And then you'll get a relationship with a guy, right? He's like, you're trying to get these men to fill a deep part of you. They can't. Mm. So I would say, just get good at pursuing the Lord. I loved being single because I felt like I fell in love with the Lord when I was single. Mm, And then just get good at loving people. I I would pray, and this was a huge paradigm shift for me in my twenties because I was dating a girl, girls, cause I thought I was supposed to, or cause she was cute. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I just, I heard a lot of people's feelings. And then I realized, Paul told Timothy to treat younger women like sisters. And I'm like, how would I want a guy to treat my sister? I would want him, whether he was going to be her husband or just a guy she knew once that whatever he says and does helps her flourish under God. Helps her be the woman she's supposed to be under God. I want him to love her, not try to use her, but love her. And whether that be love as a friend, a brother in Christ, or husband, I want him to love her. And I realized I don't treat women that way. Mm. And so for me, the journey of healing emotionally and the journey ultimately that led me to marriage was I'm going to get good at loving God. I know that's what I'm called to be at single. I'm going to get good at it. And then I'm going to love everybody indiscriminately that I come across. I'm just going to genuinely care about the community God put me in. And as I do that, I'm going to get mentors. I'm going to get friends. And then I, you know, got a wife. But um, it (laughs) sounds cliche, (laughs) but it's really not. You run after the Lord and you'll find someone running after him as hard as you do. Mm. And that will be a fun race to do together.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful because... We really can use that time of dating to kind of reflect God as an image to the other person, you know, like oh. be like Jesus to the other person, leave them better than you found them. Like the whole point is to just love and serve them, whether or not they end up being the person you marry. And so oh. that is, that's so good. And that's, I think, just a, such a powerful posture that we should be taking in singleness and within dating. So, Oh Ben, thank you so 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 much for today. Um, if people want to connect with you or see what you're up to, how do they find you? Or, or uh, Passion City DC? What give us that info?
1: Yeah, well, Passion City Church DC is where we're at. So on Instagram, you know, online. Awesome. Ben Stewart's my name. You can find me. And it's been a fun ride in DC. I mean, it's <laughs> really wonderful. So. If, that's awesome. Y'all come find y'all come find us. Come yes, visit. there's it's, it, it, y'all. It's a cool town. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben, you're so awesome. Thank you, just so so much today. You you've been amazing.
1: Oh, thanks. This is fun,
0: friends. I told you, I wasn't kidding. That Ben knows what he's saying when it comes to this stuff. He has such rich wisdom for us dating people. One of my favorite moments today was when he said, "Get in environments where you are chasing the same cause, and the other person has a character being shaped by God." They may not be perfect, but they're perfectable. I love that perfectable. Also, when you're in that zone of dating for some time and maybe being unsure if you want to spend your life with that person, analyze internally and externally. Internally, do you have a deep commitment to that person, even despite the struggles and challenges? And externally, can you communicate in a healthy way when you guys disagree? You got to think of both of those things. That is so awesome. Awesome. So good and so rich. So I want to encourage you to connect with Ben on Instagram at at Ben underscore Stewart underscore, and definitely make sure to pick up his book, Single Dating, Engaged, Married. If you know someone who might be encouraged by today's episode, please share it with them. We'd love that. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartofdating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely, and we could not thank you more. Until next time, friends. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.